Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I'm your host, Dr. Dawn Raffa, and here with me is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How are you doing today, Anthony? I'm doing wonderful. It's a beautiful, well, it's not a beautiful day in Florida. But it's okay. It's a bit overcast. We're staying at the lovely French Quarter, Port New Orleans. Actually, we have a nice little corner room. People are looking in and gawking at us right by the window <laughs> because we're right by <laughs> where the, we're right by where the little boat picks people up and they're walking by. So we have this little corner window. We have our microphones set up and everything, and they're kind of looking in to see who's that over there. Oh, they got microphones. Are they famous? What's going on? I yeah. know. So they're so famous. Sure sunglasses or something. Yeah, hat and sunglasses to be incognito. Yeah, the weather is 70, which is cool. It's kind of rainy, but we'll take it over Jersey, right? Yeah, I mean. I think it's very windy when we left the Jersey yesterday, so. All right, so I have a quote. Do you have a quote? Yes, I do. Yes, you do. Do you want to go first, or do you want the good doctor to go first? The good doctor can go first. <laughs> all right, so this one is anonymous. I could not find an author, but we're continuing with our Thinking Traps Part 3 today. We're going to review four of the 13, and then next time we're going to do our last three, and we have a game in store that we've been working diligently on, which is quite tedious and challenging to do, but worth it nonetheless, right? Right. I have a, I mean, not a game, but just since we're staying in Port New Orleans, I just Googled some quick sayings that they have. Actually, let me just do that real quick. So there's back of town, which means this is the section of New Orleans that developed around. Back of town. Yeah. Back of town. The area, which is along the, where the city first developed. So that's like the old, it's like old city in Philadelphia, maybe, right? It's like history here, right? Boo is a term of endearment. Oh, so is that where Cat came from? That's my boo. That's my boo, yo. <laughs> and wow. Okay, so you know what? That term used to get on my nerves. Yeah. No, not boo. Bay. Oh, I never. Because people who use bay uh. should get punched in the fay. <laughs> but. Boo. Um, okay, you know what? That's she's, cool. She's my boo. She's my boo. Yeah. And then uh, Buku is the lot. Orig- origin in Hoyleton Creole and the French, basically. Bra, B-R-A-H. Uh-huh. Yo, bra. That's like yeah. a surfer term. Yeah, it's shortened form of brother. Used between two men to address one another. And let's see what else we got real quick here. Buy my house. Not purchase, but buy like next to. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that is means at my house. This is just like the French expression, shema. M-A-I. M-A-I. Shema. Shema. That is, see, thank you. That's why I keep, okay. Shema. I took four years of French, but I don't remember much of it. I took two years of Spanish and I barely got through it. And I've copied off of Victor Bermudez thinking mm-hmm. since he was born in Puerto Rico, <laughs> I would get an A and we both got D's. Mm-hmm. And I said to him, Victor, you know what? You know, I copied copied off of you and this is like your first language and he says yes okay so well, it's if, normal, yeah he says you know well you speak English you know do you get an A in English True. and I'm like you get a good point there <laughs> he said I speak it I don't like to conjugate those verbs I go okay totally so we noted. have to eat something that is native right because like a po'boy crawfish crawdaddy jambalaya or to eat something that's culturally relevant for this weekend right yeah we're gonna find something <laughs> yeah aside from steak Yep. (laughs) All right. I can keep going on, but let's stop. Okay. Let's do the quotes. All right. Go ahead. Okay. So when you blame and criticize others, you are avoiding some truth about yourself. Hmm. Why didn't I want to take credit for that? It's a great quote. It's a good quote. 
kind of the essence of therapy, wouldn't you say? Yeah. I mean, it's all about just owning something. And I think that's really the thinking traps today focus on is just owning your mistakes and owning things that you did wrong in, in order to grow. Because otherwise you're not going to, you know, be a better version of yourself. Right. So unfortunately, people's defensiveness gets in the way and they, you know, want to blame others for their you know, crummy childhood or, I don't know, like horrible job that they hate or something, I guess, that is somebody else's fault instead of taking some accountability. And part of therapy is insight-oriented therapy, kind of looking into yourself and being kind to yourself and forgiving yourself for things, but also being realistically accountable. You know, kind of a balance, obviously, between those two. And not just coming in and complaining about something over and over again, which would be supportive therapy to a degree. But we know that that's not really evidence-based treatment, just coming in and whining to your therapist. I don't think so. You think so? No, I mean, especially if it's the same type of complaint. I mean, it might be a different variation or, you know, but it's like, yeah, here you are doing it again. I mean, like it's similar yet a little bit different. Right. And my patients know that I, you know, will reframe it as, a, okay, well, what are you going to do about that? What are the problem solving, you know, uh, methods that you can use? Or you can use ACT, which is acceptance commitment therapy. Acceptance, accepting of a situation and accepting the consequences that come along with that. Otherwise, and there's lots of things without our, without beyond our control that we can't change, right? So you have to accept. So blaming others usually isn't a good thing, and it's definitely one of our distortions. Do you well, have a quote? Yeah, it actually it mirrors yours. It's just, mm -hmm. it's obviously it's just different one, but it, it says it gives the same message. I think uh, you are not a failure until you start blaming others for your mistakes. That is by the legendary John Wooden. And you do not have to be a coach. You don't have to be a basketball enthusiast. It's a good short book. There's, he has got, he had a couple of them. And again, there's a couple, I think, variations that were published and combined here and there. It's a small book and maybe it's 200 pages and it's a short read where like, okay, you want to just look at this chapter. It's not like you have to stay on to, you know, because he breaks it up into different categories and there, I guess it's just different sayings that he had and the philosophy of life and coaching, which really are one in the same. It's just called Wooden and it's blue and yellow is the cover. I love this one because just looking, knowing from his background, it has two meanings. It's one, you know, obviously in a sports endeavor, whatever sport you're playing, you know, he doesn't want you to blame others for a loss or, you know, something that happened. Speak for yourself. If you made a mistake, you made a mistake, but don't talk about, you know, somebody who missed a free throw or, you know, didn't do their job. Like that's the coach's job to address, not yours. Yeah. There's a CBT technique called the pie chart of responsibility and causality, which I love to do. It's really like putting it in perspective of how much is really your fault, how much is somebody else's fault. It's rarely black and white, right? Or other distortions where it's 100% somebody else's fault, especially with a team sport, right? Like it has to be a percentage, like a realistic percentage. It can't be everybody else's fault all the time. So today we are going to tackle four, the next four, seven through 10 thinking traps. And then so this is part three. And then thinking traps part four, we're finish up the list and then we're going to play our game that we're still compiling and working on. So I'm just going to have the two of us work on the list and just, I'm just going to throw these out at you and you're going to just review them. And then, you know, I'm sure I'll have a follow-up question because I always do. I'm always curious. I, I try to be. Rejecting the positive. What's that all about? Right. So it's kind of what a self-explanatory, what it, what it states is people who have major depressive disorder tend to reject the positive. So, you know, friends and family, us psychologists can point out like, all right, well, you had all these things 
things happened today, neutral or negative. And then there's some positive things that may have occurred. And people who are depressed are stuck in this thinking trap of, no, 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 yeah, but, the yeah, but, yeah, I know it's beautiful weather, but I stepped in dog poop today and my car got a flat tire and they just reject the positives throughout the day. Kind of the opposite of gratitude, you know, like looking at what you're grateful for. It's the yeah, buts, I guess. It's another way of saying like, yeah, but, you know, 20 things happen that were positive, but there's that one negative that they tend to focus on. So it's a microscope under that negative event. Yeah, but. I pictured during this whole definition or explanation, Livia Soprano. If you've ever watched The Sopranos, it's Tony's mother. And in the first two seasons, she's just, well, I think she died during, in the middle of the second season, but she's just, you know, uh, and then he, he buys her a radio and he's trying to like, you know, know, come on, we got to get up and dance. And I don't want to, Uh, you know, they always look at the glass half empty. Right. And very pessimistic. It's very similar to pessimistic. You know, well, you know, I mean, okay, fine. You know, it's sunny, but you know, it's going to, rain later and it's so hot and humid oh you know uh, I don't yes have walk i shoes. hit the lottery but you know the taxes i gotta pay now <laughs> and then everybody's gonna want to be my new best friend uh, you know i mean mm-hmm. what's the point and it's exhausting you know with people really don't want to hang out with these individuals when they're stuck in that <laughs> shocker i wonder why well you know what it can make you feel better about yourself for five minutes but you're, then after that it gets old it it's hard because you're trying as a good friend or you know family member or even Mostly a family member. It's it's a mom or aunt. Do you notice most of these people? I think of women, old women, um, you know, like this. I'm sorry, I just don't. They come to mind. You know, uh, yeah, but um, is it because like they've been like duped? Well, they've been duped so many times. It's almost like they're Charlie Brown in the football. Um, They're like, you know, no, I'm not falling for that silver lining crap. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I imagine so. So look, remember, people aren't born with distortions, right? They're not born with beliefs about themselves, others in the world. They develop them through experiences. So these individuals may have had those takeaways from their life. Hard times, possibly. Maybe, you know, the football was pulled out a bunch of times and they got duped and they developed this attitude. Again, an anecdote is developing a gratitude journal, pointing things out. And again, like it's exhausting for people to try to get them out of, yeah, but why don't we try to solve your problem this way? Or why don't we focus on this and reframe your thinking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... frustrating. I must confess though, I do. You do that? Uh, no, no, I don't do it, but there's a man that I know that does this and it's my older brother. Because I just thought of this now because you were talking about when you're trying to be gender equality. Well, no, I just, what immediately comes to mind was Olivia Soprano and then other women like her. So, but then, you know, if I think. Oh, grouchy old men. Yeah. yeah, So, well, this, I mean, again, he's not that old, but he acts like he's, you know, Methuselah. He's 60, but so he's been smoking since my kid. And, you know, me and my sister constantly try to tell him to stop, but he always complains about something. He's always got something to complain about constantly. And really he doesn't realize that, you know, it's not that bad or he, he makes a mountain out of a molehill and so on. And then one time he found a mass on his lung and that he was very, very worried about and concerned about. Her father passed away from lung cancer. So obviously he's very concerned about this. I know this might not have been a very, you know, I guess, sympathetic thing to say at this moment in his life. But, you know, I did want him to take perspective of that moment and say, so, Jimmy, um, that's really scary stuff, isn't it? I mean, you have a lot to be worried about and concerned with. And I understand why you're very upset and maybe depressed. But do you know all those other times that you were worried and depressed about absolutely nothing? Think back to those times and realize how silly you were, because this is actually something to be worried about. Like what you said about 
about being appreciative. Like that's a good example. Mm-hmm. And and fortunately the mess ended up being nothing. I mean, again, I don't know if he realized that, yeah, you know what? Could always be worse. Like that could be worse. You know what I mean? Like that's something to be worried about, concerned with, you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, he's wired like that a little bit too. I mean, not wired, but I mean, something happened in his life to make him like that. Sure. The other way that this presents is rejecting positive experiences by insisting that they don't count. Well, you do a good job. Well, it wasn't really me. It's because it was luck. It was fate. It's kind of externalizing the accountability. Anyone could have done such a good job. But people do this with compliments. They have a hard time accepting compliments. I don't know if you know people like this, but yeah. And they just minimize. Well, anyone could have done it. And discounting the positive, uh, yeah, obviously takes the joy out of life. Makes you feel inadequate. I think what they think is maybe that if I don't say this, I'm going to look like an arrogant. Bragging. Yeah. And you can can find a happy medium where somebody Somebody's just walking by her window. He's on the phone though, but it was just—it it, it was like I was wondering what you were looking at behind me, and I'm like, oh, sorry, everybody. It makes you feel like you're right here with us. So, what was I talking about? Oh, God, this might. What are you talking about? I don't. Oh, um, no. What was I talking about? That guy really like discounting. <laughs> <laughs> guy really <laughs> discounting the positive. I said that is really not a good oh, job or not so accepting compliment. The reason why they can't take a compliment, maybe, is like they have to downplay it because if they don't, oh, they sound arrogant. They feel like that they're arrogant. Where you can just say, "Oh, thank you very much. You know, I appreciate that." Just be humble, but take the compliment and also acknowledge that, yeah, you did a good job. Well, when people are depressed and they have negative core beliefs such as I'm inadequate, inferior, worthless, defective, like those really unlovable type of, you know, inferior type of beliefs, she's just lying. She's just trying to be nice or no, 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 I'm not really worthy. I don't deserve to be called. Oh, so you think it's false praise and they don't take it, you know. They they take it as a, I don't deserve. You're full of, or you're full of crap. You're just, you're just trying to, yeah. Yep, yep. Eddie Haskell. Yeah, right. That's another thing that, uh, again, a lot of these are seen with people that have depression and anxiety, you know, and part of our CBT work is to get people to elicit and notice their automatic thoughts. So I'll have them journal and do a thought record and first notice, like we have a ton of them that pop through our mind, right? So, and then we work on, you know, like this catching, checking, changing, work on checking them to see if they're distortions and then changing them. The next one is vague, is similar. It's kind of the polar opposite, number eight, dwelling on the negative. They kind of work hand in hand, right? Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's like, again, like the one bad thing, it's like ruminating. The one bad thing that happened that day, you're going to notice, like the, the one that's in the worksheets I give out is I go to this party and really it's a New Year's Eve party or whatever, you're invited, you get to see friends and family you haven't seen but you spilled a drink or wine or whatever on your shirt and you focus and ruminate on that event aside from, well, it's not a big deal. And they tend to just perseverate on that. So dwelling and dwelling and dwelling on the negative over and over again. So again, people who have depression tend to do this too, picking out like the bad or unpleasant part of a day or a situation or a speech or a paper. I don't know, like, well, this is what I did wrong. And it still comes back to, I did something wrong, or this is, the world is unlucky. So somebody who cannot take a compliment. Mm -hmm. So instead of taking a compliment and, you know, kind of like not obsessing, but just really embracing the compliment and keeping that as, you know, something to keep them motivated or, you know, keep them happy or make them happy. Mm -hmm. But if somebody gives me a compliment, I don't care. But if somebody criticizes me, I'm going to focus on that. And I think, and by nature, a lot of us are like that, where you can give somebody 10 compliments, but they'll only remember the one critical review. Yeah, exactly. Right. They can have a glowing review aside from, okay, well, you're late to work and they're going to focus and ruminate on 
that aspect and then maybe make that to be mean something negative about them. Mm -hmm. I'm a bad employee because of it. And then they label themselves in that way. So you see this come out with repetitive, you know, ruminating, brooding. Is Batman dwelling? Does he dwell on the negative, do you think? Well, I think that's why he decided to become Batman. I think he was uh, inspired by the negative. Whenever I think of brooding, I think of... Batman brooding? Well, the Lego minifig. Oh, yes. Lego movie. Um, he makes that song. Jon Snow, he could brood. He could brood uh, good. Jon Snow could yeah. yeah. I might have mentioned it before, the verbal behavioral approach. I'm trying to remember. Oh, yeah. And by the way, books that we mentioned, we're now putting in our book club, so to speak, on our social media posts. So if there's anything we mention that you might be interested in, right. look at our social media posts on Twitter, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, and we reference them. So they'll be in there. The verbal behavioral approach, it's by Mary Barbera, and she has a theory or approach on teaching children or helping helping children with limited speech. She's a behavioral therapist and they have mostly children with autism. She explains that for every one negative, try to come up with eight positives to tell your child. But I think that's just good philosophy for all of us. I mean, we all like to hear good things and it doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, off the cuff, ridiculous things. It's just be like, hey, good job or thank you. Or thank you. I mean, my gosh, you know, just let somebody know that you appreciate what they, they held the door for you. Let me tell you something. If I hold the door for somebody I don't know and they do not tell me thank you, mm -hmm. I want to go back and drag them back to the other side of the door and then let them walk through again on their own. <laughs> because I held the door for you. I didn't have to. Mm -hmm. That just really bothers me. I don't mean to focus on the negative. I think I'm dwelling on the negative. Oh, you might have to reframe your thinking, right? I think so. So this one is, um, the next one is making feelings facts. Number nine. My number nine is fairy tale fantasy. I have making feelings facts. Okay, we'll do that one. Making feelings facts is also called emotional reasoning. So basically, like, I feel like I am worthless, therefore I am. I feel like I am, um, you know, bad. So feelings aren't facts. Feelings can be very powerful, but people define themselves based on the feelings. I feel like I'm a disappointment or a disaster, therefore I am. So if I wake up and I feel undisputed, I can just go and do whatever I feel like doing? Like, does that go the other way? Oh, that's like using excuse, like that excuse is what you're saying? Well, I mean, illusions of grandeur, maybe. I don't oh, know. Delusions, <laughs> delusions of grandeur, yeah. Oh, you know what I was going to say before? One of the other techniques, again, I don't want to give away all my therapy techniques, but is a credit list and it has to be realistic. Like listing things about yourself, your strengths and weaknesses that are realistic in order to start reframing the thinking. And I have people make a coping card. Now in the older days with an index card and carried around and read. Funny enough, people like when I write them, for some reason they think that it's more powerful and meaningful if I do sometimes. So whatever. So I'll write them. Or a post-it note. You know, so it's it's repetitive reading that about yourself over and over again. Yeah. It can't be something ridiculous like I'm Superman. Sure. Or Wonder Woman, you know. Right. But. You know what just came to mind? Something that I have my students do when they're writing a paper. If I have a student and they, they hand in a paper and I'm like, next time you got to proofread this. You got to, I mean, mm -hmm. just spell check doesn't do it all. Mm -hmm. They go, well, yeah, I mean, I did. I thought I did. I got to tell you what you do. I encourage kids to do this as long as they have thick enough skin, but have, give your paper to a friend, critique it. Because here's the thing, everybody likes to point out the shortcomings of others right away. So they'll find all the grammatical errors and the edits that you are less likely to find because, oh, it's fine. It looks okay. Well, it depends on the friend. Because well, some yeah. people can just be like, oh, it looks really great and now I have on. Yeah, but some really like to <laughs> take you really. down a notch. I remember doing that in class, switching your paper. With well, yeah, but they, they, you, you're doing theirs and they're doing yours. And it's like, hey, I'm here to help you out you can change this you didn't hand it in yet mm -hmm. you know what i mean that's the bottom line right yeah exactly and i mean that's 
again, having a good sense of ego, some ego strength and some confidence, you could be a better writer because of it or a better teacher because of it or maybe even a better psychologist or better auto repair person. Um, so if you feel like you're not worth anything, it doesn't mean it's true. You can feel like you're a failure. It doesn't mean it's true. So feelings aren't facts. I feel statements are great to learn and say, I feel this way, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the jury's out and that's exactly what you are. But do you think it's healthy or it would be uh, smart for these people to, these people, uh, (laughs) to kind of like maybe think to themselves, okay, why do I feel like this? Like, where does it come from? Like what motivates me to feel like this so I can either stop feeling like this or, you know, flip the script or. Right. So we get into that, you know, kind of think back, like how long you've been believing this about yourself. And often it's rooted in childhood adolescence or it's learned behavior. Typically. I tell you, those early years are so formative years, important. The parents just imprints on you for life. Childhood, it's very, you know, it's psychoanalytic to a degree. But oh my God. Truth to what it. we do to our children is terrible. I was terrified oh before God. I was a parent. I was like, oh my gosh. Like, but yeah, everything's working out well, but it's scary. It's a scary job. We got to blame our parents, but then if we have children, ooh, it comes back tenfold, doesn't it, ladies and gentlemen? So the last one, by the way, speaking of the B word, labeling. No. No? The B word. Oh, I thought you said. <laughs> B is for labeling. Is a B in there? Okay. I have the wrong list. I am so sorry. No, that's right. You and I did not share lists. No, we did not. All right. So B, the reason I chose the blaming quote. (laughs) B is for label. (laughs) I'm so smart. That's great. All right. So B is for blaming. That's why I chose the blame. Blame. The blame game. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I thought we were going to read the list, but whatever. I wrote them off the top of my head. I'm changing this now to blame. So I have labeling to look forward to. And next time, fairy tale. Fairy tale fantasy, mm-hmm. personalizing and, and labeling. That's kind of a okay. foreshadowing. So, so tell me about blaming. Oh, I want to blame you for everything. No, I'm just kidding. You easily could. <laughs> I don't do that. So blaming, just like it says, you know, is blaming other people or situations for an outcome or for your life. People tend to do this with childhood. They tend to do this with their spouse. It comes out in relationships very often, which leads to criticism and contempt, like we talked about with couples counseling and the four horsemen. Blaming society. It could be on a macro level, blaming religion or politics or the world or, you know. And again, it detracts from accountability for yourself and learning how to be reasonably accountable, not overly accountable where you're so depressed or not minimizing blame that you are, you know, narcissistic, but that you take a reasonable amount of blame. Does it make these people feel better for like the short term, I guess? What do they get out of it? Something, yeah. So we, there's something called secondary gain. Like you said before, what do they get out of believing negative things about themselves? It could be victims. It could be attention seeking. It could keep them from being productive and they get to blame their depression or blame their ADHD or their anxiety. Their procrastination and this. I have ADHD. I procrastinate. So I am. So blaming gets you, get out of jail card, right? Get out of jail free card. Yeah. You get to blame lots of things. And I don't know. I just think it makes you a victim if you blame. Well, that's, yeah. Well, I mean, what's worse than being an actual victim where you paint yourself out to be a victim? Like, that's even worse. Like, I mean, you know. And it works, though, for some people. Some people take pity on these individuals and they, you know, get, like I said, they get a lot of attention from it. They get people to do things for them if they're dependent or they have a dependent disorder, you know codependency or dependent personality disorder, then, oh, I'm just not good at that. So, oh, let me help you. You're so depressed. I'm going to help you, you know? So blaming is, I guess people like it. It's probably the most used distortion, I'd say, right? 
Insane. Yeah, but the person who does it's your it, fault. It's a well, you statement. It's your fault that I feel this way. These a couple therapists. There's more people that are staring at us. I saw there because like, we have the microphones. I think it's the microphones. They want to know what who we're talking to and why we think we're why famous. We're I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Like we're, it looks like we're talking to one another with microphones. Which mm-hmm. is maybe what's what looks funny. You know what? I mean, if you want to get yourself a lot of attention, get a corner room somewhere when the windows open mm-hmm. and have some microphones and some laptops set up. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, just some nosy, nosy people. But these people who blame, are these- Anyone like this? What's that? You know anyone like this? So these are all, by the way, all of the 13 distortions I may have mentioned, they're all childlike childhood distortions. Okay. They're all in childhood. You see them with children, young, adolescents for sure. Blaming, you know, you're waving at people. I'm waving. Because she tried to make pretend like she wasn't looking and she's walking and then she turns, it's an old couple. We get a lot of older couples. It's going to be a social psychology experiment. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but the people who feel sorry for these people who are, you know, and they want to help them, like you said, like, okay, I'll feel sorry. Like, I mean, they're enabling them. Oh, sure. And, Absolutely. but what, do they get something out of it? Like, oh, they yeah. feel like, I help this person, yeah. I'm a good person. Oh, sure. Yeah, it feeds into their belief about themselves, their identity as a helper, rescuer, caretaker. There's, there's a yin to a yang. There's like, okay, well. It's a two-way street. I'm the victim. I blame the other people for thin, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, then I'll I'll help you or they're each getting something out of it, but it's nothing, nothing healthy, nothing concrete. Or, yeah. yeah. Well, listen, so people who blame, can you imagine like the same thing with the shooters? <laughs> Maybe we should. The shooters. The shooters out there. You know who you are. They're angry. It elicits a feeling of anger because you're living in a world where people should behave a certain way or the world should be a certain way or blaming someone because when we blame someone, are we ever happily blaming them? No, blame. I'm is, happy to blame this person. No, that, that's like, just it. I feel like, good about blame it. Blame is a damning Negative. word. It, it's, yeah, it's not, you know, to give credit. No. Oh, the credit means that's a good thing. So if it's a good thing, it's credit or praise. And if it's a negative thing, it's blaming, right? Yeah, I would say it's mostly used in a negative way, not like, well, it could be a rejecting the positive person. Yes, I'm going to blame blaming you for yourself. winning the game for us. Yeah. Damn you. you know? <laughs> the success. Yes. I'm blaming the success of winning the game on the coach. Right. <laughs> That's kind of yeah. weird. So cognitive distortions can actually overlap, right? There can be assuming, catastrophizing, black. I wonder if there's all 13 in one line that we could come up with. That sounds like a new game. Sounds like a new game. Ooh. Where it's shooting, blaming, personalizing, labeling, mind reading, catastrophizing. I like her bag. It's nice. <laughs> Sorry. I'll just keep people watching. This is fun. I'm multitasking. Mm-hmm. It looks like it stopped raining. I think it did. Kind of did, yeah. So on that note, since it stopped raining, we're going to we're gonna hit the pool. Are we? I want to, yeah, I want to see if they got a hot tub. Okay. Hot tub in the wall tub. You're funny. All right. So then we gave away our plan for next time, which is personalizing fairy tale fantasy and labeling, but. I got to make a new list, but yes, I got to get ready for that list for next week. Our list Or two weeks. Coincide. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm blaming. Go inside. We're already inside. Oh, uh-huh, I'm sorry. No, no. Your list has to match my list or else it's your fault. Right. And everybody. Um, <laughs> it's not my fault. And either. everybody remember like. The distortions. <laughs> B is for labeling. <laughs> What's the takeaway? From What's today? the letter B? <laughs> it's like the Sesame Street. B stands for yes, exactly. I'm like, Wait, what? But that's not it. B is for boy, it. balloon, and labeling. Remember that. Yes, we're educated people too. Right? <laughs> Today's show was brought to you by the letter B. <laughs> Excellent. So just to summarize what we learned today. You know, cognitive distortions, we all tend to do it unless you're trained rigorously not to. But it's one of those things. Are you stuck in these loops or are you able to unhook from it and reframe your thinking, see things in a different way? 
generally a lot of these distortions, they're dysfunctional. They're called self-defeating and dysfunctional because you end up feeling poorly. You don't really feel positive because of it. So that's why they're considered. That guy looks like he just came off the set of Sons of Anarchy that walked by. <laughs> he gave us a little nod and well, kept walking. Out. Well, he was, that was appropriate. Well, there's, um, you know, people <laughs> coming and going now that the weather's clearing up. It's Florida weather. It's not sunny and beautiful and gorgeous like I expect, but whatever. So how y'all doing? The three C's, check, catch, change, y'all thinking is uh, what you want to look out for. So we are going to go do stuff. (laughs) Yes, we are. So thank you all for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us. Feel free to do so if you have any comments or suggestions for future shows. Email us at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. <laughs>